Welcome to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. Subscribe to this podcast or visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and for more information on this ministry at www.ihconvention.com. Leonard Sankey has served as missionary, school administrator, and pastor. In 1997, he became General Secretary and is currently the General Secretary Emeritus of the Interchurch Holiness Convention. In 2013, he took time from his busy convention schedule to speak to the young people and ask this question, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Amen. So true. I told the Lord this morning that he is the center and the circumference of my life. He's the only reason I live. It is uh, indeed a high honor for me to address this group. It has been 58 years since I attended my first IH convention as a freshman in Bible school. And across those 58 years, quite a bit has happened. I do not have the same life story that Ron Stevens has, which he told you yesterday. I wish I could have heard it. But I do have a story to tell. And one part of that is that it is a joy for me to be here. I'm honored to have, I think, at least four of my grandchildren here and perhaps a fifth one that may have snuck in. And when they know that I'm speaking, they sneak in. They don't just walk in boldly. But it's nice to have grandchildren. It's nice to have several students from our school in Bedford. And I appreciate having them and each of you here. Jen and I were were talking about this session, and I said, you know, I really don't know what to say. It's not that I don't have anything to say. It's just that I don't know how to say it. But I will say this, as our chairperson said a moment ago, I am your friend. I want to make sure you understand that before I go any further. I am your friend. Whatever I may say comes from a heart of love and of admiration for you. I believe in the prayers of young people. I have watched the young people in our school in Bedford and I have watched their prayers and I have watched God answer those prayers. And so I want you to know that I admire you and I appreciate your prayers. I also want to tell you that uh, to me, you know, I'm getting to the end of my life as far as I can tell. Uh, I don't have that many more years if I have hours, but Lord willing, you have all of your lives, you have years in front of you. And I look at you this morning in the light of the Interchurch Holiness Convention And trusting that you will somewhere or some way pick up the burden of those who have brought us to this place. When I began working with IH Convention, we did not have children's meetings. We didn't have youth services. We didn't have women's meetings. All we had were preaching services and sometimes five of them in one day. And uh, all of that has changed And today I have this honor and privilege of being with you. Within the past few days, actually the last couple of days, 
America's beloved gospel singer, George Beverly Shea, came to the end of his life. I heard someone say yesterday when we were talking about this that a young radio announcer who evidently hadn't been around very long was going to announce a song by George Beverly Shea and he announced it like this and now we will hear a song by George and Beverly Shea. Well, evidently he was not to that young man America's beloved gospel singer. Many of you may know that George Beverly Shea at one time was considering a career in professional singing, secular professional singing. He had an offer that had been made to him to sing professionally and to sing in the secular world. He was in the throes of that decision, in the throes of that choice. And his mother came across words written by a lady author. And thinking about George and thinking about the choice that he was making, she took those words into the living room of their home in Houghton, New York, where the parents served on the staff of Houghton College. She took those words uh, over to the piano in the living room, put the words on the stand, and when George came in later in the day, Mrs. Shea said, George, I want you to go in to the piano. I want you to look at the words on the piano. And I want you to see if maybe God would help you to write the music. He sat down and the words that he found in the chorus say, than to be the king of a vast domain and live in sin's dread sway, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. And he wrote the music to that song and in the process made the choice that took him out of secular music put him into sacred music and gave him, of course, a name recognized around the world. Those kind of choices, maybe not exactly like that, but I'm looking all the way from these young people up there to these young people over here and the young people back through here. Those kinds of choices are yours on this Thursday morning. When I looked at this service, and actually only having stepped inside a couple of times, so I really didn't know even what it was going to be like, I thought, well, you know, what shall I talk about? I came up with 21 topics. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, I wrote them down. There they are right there. I sat down at my computer. I said, Lord, what shall I talk about? He gave me 21 things. Obviously, I am not going to talk about 21 topics this morning. But they kind of give you an idea of the burden of my heart. And if I could ask you a favor, and I know this is going to be a biggie, but I, most of you are smiling at me and most of you look like you're in a good humor. I would really like to ask you if for maybe 25 minutes, 30 at the most, if you would 
take your electronic devices and just, you know, put them out or in a pocket or something. Can we handle 30 minutes? Now, if that really strikes you as too rigid, it may show your addiction. I don't know. <laughs> First, one thing that I, I thought I would talk to you about good manners and courtesy and smiles. You say, well, what a topic. Well, I want to tell you, it would take you a long way. All right? You know, people who know me, the only thing that they really say about me is that, well, Sankey, at least you know how to smile. And I do try, try to smile just as much as I can. But I want to tell you, good manners, courtesy, and smiles are a good thing to have. But that's not my topic. <clears throat> I talked about, thought about talking to you about proper relationships between fellows and girls. But decided that that was a little bit too big of a topic for your preacher this morning. Uh, four or five things came out <clears throat> with choice at the beginning, like choosing the right kind of music. A man of another day said, I would rather write the music of a nation than write its laws because music will affect the nation more than its laws will. The reason why that's important is because if you are listening to the wrong kind of music and receiving the wrong kind of message, that is what's going to affect the way you live the rest of your life. Choosing the right kind of companions. Who do you hang out with? Choosing the right life's companion. Fellows and girls, I, I pastored one church for 30 years. I dedicated babies, watched them grow up. I preached to them every November for X number of years, I spoke about the family and I tried to help them. I tried to give them good ideas about choosing the right companions. And at the best of my efforts, many of them still made the wrong choices. We could talk about how to handle modern technology as a Christian because after all, that's what we're supposed to be. We are supposed to be Christians, and there is a way to handle technology. And incidentally, uh, the sin is not in the technology, but the sin may be in the way that you use it. How about right reading material? How about seeking to be biblical in our worship? How to handle temptation? I was talking to some friends of mine down in the Dayton Montgomery County Convention Center office this morning, people that I've known for many, many years, and uh, we got to talking about choices. We actually began to talk about addictions. And I said, uh, well, I have an addiction. That sounds kind of bad, but let me talk to you. Maybe you have the same one. Now, what I want you to do, if you can answer positively, I don't want you to say no. I want you to say yes. Do you like chocolate? Yes. I'm going to ask it a second time because I think I caught you by surprise. Do you like chocolate? Yes. Do you like dark chocolate? Yes. Do you like dove dark chocolate? All right, me too. Why, I, if I have an addiction, that's as close as I come right there. Well, you know, uh, you know, Dove used to have 
uh, on those little foil wrappers, they used to have little messages. They still do, but they're kind of tame now. They really don't say very much, but they used to really have some sharp messages, including one that said, flirting is mandatory. <laughs> I didn't preach on that one. But they did have one that I actually preached on. I went down to the big boys down at God's Bible school and all those doctors sitting down there and a great bunch of kids, including my granddaughter, and I actually preached a message off of a Dove chocolate wrapper. I notice I haven't been invited back. <laughs> but President Avery did tell me he said, Brother Sankey, we haven't had a message for years that the kids have talked about for so long. And the message on the Dove chocolate wrapper was this. Temptation is fun. Giving in is better. And I told the kids, no, it's not. Temptation is not good and giving in is not better. And so I thought about talking to you about temptation. I talked about how to handle difficult interpersonal relationships. I thought about talking about keeping sports and entertainment and friendships in proper balance. Should I go to Bible school? My answer would be yes. Learning to be careful with finances. Stop a minute and let me say, how about showing respect for parents? If you girls are looking at a young man, try to get somewhere where he interacts with his mother because how he treats his mother is likely to be how he treats you. We need to understand that we have an obligation scripturally to show respect for our parents no matter how old we are, and that would be a good place to say amen. Here's a common one, how to get along with my troublesome brother. <laughs> or how to get along with my proud sister. <laughs> Maybe I should preach on that one. <laughs> How about living in a home where there are divided, uh, divided allegiances between the mom and the dad? Does divorce and divorce and remarriage have a place in the life of a Christian? I need to tell you, fellows and girls, if you ever want to know that as far as I'm concerned, when we marry we marry for life. I believe it is God's plan that we find the right companion and that we live with that companion until death parts us. And I absolutely feel that way about it. Well, you say, Brother Sankey, how do you treat people who have been divorced? And I treat them with love. I accept them for who they are. But I also want to tell you that my perception of scripture is that marriage is a sacred covenant and God specifically says what God has joined together, man is not to put asunder. What kind of career should I see? Does my clothing really make any difference to God? If you listened to Dan Stetler last night, the answer would be yes. And if you listen to Brother Sankey, the answer would be yes, it makes a difference to God. And besides that, it makes a difference to man and to women. Women Making honesty and integrity a part of my life. 
being careful with my conversation, whether it is in speaking or listening or texting or emails. All of our conversation should be conducted like Christians. All of these ideas and many, many more would be valid topics for this service. But I have chosen for these next few moments to assume that all of you are Christians, that you desire to serve the Lord with all of your heart, and that your entire life is going to be devoted to God. And with that in mind, what is the best piece of advice that I could give you? Well, let me ask you a question to, to come to this part of the message. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to do with the rest of your life starting Thursday morning? Now, you have to understand that that's an important question for me. I am 77 years old as of a couple of weeks ago. The, the possibilities of me leave, living very much longer are very slim. I don't know what God has planned, but I want you to know at age 77, it is a current important question in my life. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? It's important to me, though I probably have few years, but I want to tell you it is doubly important for you because you have all of your life in front of you. And it may be of interest to you where that all started. It started on a flight to Alaska. <clears throat> we have a daughter and son-in-law and six grandchildren who live in North Pole, Alaska. Uh, that is a drawing card to grandpa and grandma. My wife also has a sister and her husband who pastor a church in North Pole, Alaska. And as it happened, we were on our way to Alaska for an inner church holiness convention to be held in the missionary chapel on Dawson Road in North Pole, Alaska. Yes, there is a Santa Claus house there. Yes, there is a Santa Claus there. I think they told me he stands 25 feet tall, so he ain't very human. Uh, but we were going to North Pole. We had ridden, I think, on Northwest at that time across the country from Indianapolis to Chicago to Seattle, Seattle to Anchorage. And then we got on an Alaska Airlines flight to fly up to Fairbanks. Now, frankly, I like to work crossword puzzles. And uh, I always carry a crossword puzzle book with me. If I'm in an airport early in the morning, I typically buy USA Today. I typically tear out the sheet that has a crossword puzzle on it, and I carry it with me, and I work on crossword puzzles. But you know, it's a long ways across country, a lot of hours in an airplane, you get tired. My eyes were tired, I was tired, I was anxious to get to North Pole <clears throat> so we could find a place to rest. But in kind of just, you know, searching around, what, what can I do here? I reached in the seat pocket in front of me, and I actually pulled out this piece of paper right here. <clears throat> this is not a copy. Uh, this is the actual piece of paper that I pulled out. It says, seat occupied. But for those of you who have traveled on airplanes, and if you have trouble with motion sickness, you understand that the reason why that bag is there is that if your tummy gets too upset, you have this bag in order to 
take care of that sickness, okay? The kids in Alaska called them barf bags. <laughs> so I pulled this bag out. <clears throat> and when I pulled it out, I found writing on the back side. And I looked at that writing. And I told Janet, I said, Janet, I said, look, look at this. And to shorten the story, it appears to be a 17-year-old girl. And she writes down under this title. Now, she's 17. She writes this. Things to do before I die. Now, typically, death is not something you kids want to think about. And I understand that. I don't like to think about it. I believe I'm ready to die. But you know, I'm not looking for the next flight out. <laughs> but on the other hand, you kids understand that things do happen to young people. The Boston Marathon, the tragedy that has occupied our attention for the past couple or three days. On the front page of USA Today, the day after the explosion, there was a picture of one of the people who had been killed, a 10-year-old boy who had dreams and purposes in his life but were shattered by that blast along the race route and close to the finish line. During this convention, and I'm not trying to be un unseemly here, but during this convention, we have heard of the death of, of Ben Rauschenberger, a young man who was serving in the Marines of our nation and was killed in an automobile accident. So I don't know what was in this girl's mind. But she writes up at the top, things to do before I die. And this is what she says. I think she was a Christian. Or at least she understood what it was to be like to be a Christian. Because she starts off by saying, I want to go on a mission trip to Africa. Things to do before I die. She said, I want to travel to Europe. Well, that sounds like something that all of us would like to do. She said, I want to see, and I think she's from Alaska, because she says, I want to see the finish of the Iditarod, which of course is the big dog sled race that starts in Anchorage and goes to Nome, replicating the trip that was made many, many years ago by dog sled to take serum from Anchorage to Nome where there was a plague going on where people were dying for lack of this serum and they make this dog sled trek across the wilderness and across the snow and every year they replicate that in the Iditarod dog sled race. She wants to see the finish of that. She said, I want to go on a Samaritan's purse box trip where Samaritan Purse boxes up supplies, takes them to a mission field, and passes them out to people who are in need. And then she ends her little thing by saying, I want to go on a survival trip. Well, I looked at that and I said to my wife, I said, this is, this is really remarkable that a 17-year-old girl 
under the title of what I want to do before I die would write these things out. And so that's what brings me to the question on this Thursday morning in Dayton, Ohio, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And it is a question you cannot avoid. You must decide. You don't go in neutral through your life. You have to make a choice. And I suppose if there's anything that my wife and I have wept more about, it is being in a place where we can watch people making choices and sometimes making wrong choices. And we have wept as pastors. And after leaving the pastorate, we continued to live within sight of the church that I pastored, within sight of the school that, the God, that God allowed me to begin 33 years ago. And so we continue to watch the life of that congregation. We continue to watch people making choices. It's a delight to watch even young people in this building here this morning. It is wonderful to watch some of them making right choices and seeing God bless them for those choices. But it is tragedy to be where we are and watch people making wrong choices. So I want to give you three things and I'm going to quit. Not 21. Three things. Let me just tell you this. Number one. Your life is far too short to lose. It's yours to keep. It's yours to lose. And Jesus said that even if you should gain the whole world and miss Jesus, you have gained nothing and lost everything. But he also says that if you gain Jesus and lose everything else, you come out the absolute winner on the other side. My exhortation to you this morning is simply this. Don't lose your life. Don't choose goals that are too low. What is it? I just read not too long ago a story of a, it was actually you know, just a story of a bird but a bird who, for one reason or another, not guided by instinct or whatever it may be, built her nest. But she built the nest too close to the ground. And a snake crawling along made note of the nest and crawled up the stem of the bush and into the nest and made a feast because the bird had built too low. Kids, listen to me. You have choices to make. You have a purpose to establish. Don't build too low. Lift your eyes. Seek a higher purpose. Think about it when you seek someone to marry. Marry somebody who has at least the basic same purpose that you do. When our children were going to Bible school, we told them something like this. If you're going to choose a life's companion, choose someone who was raised at least similar to the way that you were raised. It doesn't erase every problem, but I'm going to tell you it makes the possibility of your marriage being successful a whole lot better if you choose somebody who has the same values 
that you have. And it almost dooms the marriage if you choose somebody who doesn't share your purposes and your values. My first exhortation is simply this. Your life is too short. Don't lose it. Second, your life is yours to choose. It's too short to lose, but it's yours to choose. The power of choice is very possibly the greatest thing that God has given to us. I used to tell the kids in our chapel services at Stone City Christian Academy when I would be talking to them, and maybe I was a little upset because they weren't as attentive as I wanted them to be, and I didn't tell them that's the reason why I said what I did, but I would sometimes say, you know, I have the power to choose. I can turn right around, and I can walk right out that door and just say, forget it. I have the power to do that. And the very power that God has given to me, God has given to you and to you and to you. So when my question comes to you, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You must remember that your life is yours to choose. It's almost 58 years ago that as an 18-year-old, I faced the choices that you are facing on this Thursday morning. I knew better than the way that I had been living. At age 16, I decided I would take my own way and do my own thing. And I got myself in a passel of trouble. But one Sunday night, and using the same scripture that Brother Stevens told me that he was going to use, a preacher talked to us about Jonah running away from God. And the Lord came along and said, Son, you are that Jonah running away from God. And that night, I chose to tell God, I'm going to go your way. It didn't settle every issue, but it settled the direction of my life. And that's what I'm trying to challenge you with this morning. Your life is yours to choose. And I hope you make a good choice. Because once you make that choice, it affects you the rest of your life. The third thing. Your life is too short to lose. Your life is yours to choose. Your life is God's to use. And I am begging you this morning. I wish I could get all of you into the ministry. I wish I could get all of you onto a mission field. Our children were all born in Central America. And a couple of them have chosen full-time missionary service themselves. And I thank God for that. I wish I could take every one of you and capture you for Jesus. And bring you to the place where you would say, Lord, from this day... My life is yours to use. Songwriter said, to be used of God to show someone the way. And this morning, Thursday morning, I believe that God is here in this youth service saying to you, will you choose to let me have your life? And if you say, no, I'm not going to do that, then I have to ask you, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And I'm telling you, you cannot evade the question. The choice is yours.
but you can make the choice that will give your life to God to use. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit Teen Edition, brought to you through the Ministry of Time of Discovery, a division of Interchurch Holiness Convention. For more sermons or for more information, subscribe to this monthly podcast or visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, 18931 Route 522, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania, 17812.